0: prophet says you are not to say it is a conspiracy in regard to all that this people call a conspiracy and you are not to fear what they fear or be in dread of it and I love this verse 13 it is the Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy and he shall be your fear and he shall be your dread now the historical setting of those few verses in Isaiah 8 are very very revealing See, many in Israel's day considered Isaiah, Jeremiah, and the other prophets as being servants of the enemy. Which is hard to imagine, but that was the case. And why was that the case? It's because the prophets advocated a policy of non-reliance on foreign powers and a dependence upon who? Yahweh, the Lord. And that didn't sit well with people who were drastically and horribly afraid of Assyria. The people would hear the prophets, but they would not heed the prophets. And in so doing, here's what they would begin to say. They would begin crying, conspiracy, conspiracy, conspiracy. These agents of disinformation, right? And that's how they labeled the prophets. And Peter says, do not fear them. And do not fear what they fear, which was Assyria. Instead, fear who? Fear the Lord by trusting in him so this is what Peter's doing with drawing us back to Isaiah 8. In the whole history of Israel itself, Peter's showing that the Lord of hosts, Jesus Christ is the Lord of hosts, the Lord of all heavenly armies. And our natural response, therefore, must be to regard him as what? Holy. <laughs> we fear him. We respect him. We revere and trust him. Now you begin to see the point of going back to Isaiah 8. Here in 1 Peter chapter 3. Later even in chapter 3 verse 15. Sanctify Christ as what? Lord in your hearts. Regard him as holy. That's what sanctify is. To set apart. To consecrate. To set aside. To give this primary place of adoration, exaltation, worship, allegiance to one person. And that's to Christ himself. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. This is not an external show. This is not outward mechanics. This is the very depths of your being. Sanctify, consider. Christ as having the premier place in every facet and form in your life. And we do this affirming. And as we do it, we, what do we do? When you sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, what you're doing is Gladly and joyfully submitting to his what? To his control. Come what may. You have Genesis 50 verse 20 resonating in your mind. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. And you rest in that. You rest in his instruction. God, it doesn't make sense. My impulse is to take up arms and fight and storm the gates. Trust me. What what have I told you? What are my instructions? And you rest in that. You don't buck against it. This is what believers were to do. Give Christ primary place in every way. God, you and you alone have sovereign majesty over all. Therefore, I will not fear what man can do to me, but I will trust you. Now, let me ask you again, a little discussion. When that is your spiritual posture, you sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. And even when you face suffering, what does that spiritual posture produce in you? What does it produce? Calm, stillness. What's that? What's uh, blanking on the reference? uh, He will keep his mind in perfect peace. Whose heart is fixed on him? Some sort of iteration of that. Yeah. Self control. What's that? Yeah. In what way, Preston? I, th- I know exactly where you're going, but yeah. Self control, restraint. Excellent. We'll talk about that in a moment as he picks up on that. Anything else? <laughs> yeah. 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 So this process of change, right? Like this, uh, this conviction and then repentance of the initial impulse, which is a variety of responses of, of, of varying in sin, right? Of anger, uh, fretting, cursing God, right? Blaming God. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things that we'll talk about even in application at the end that we'll refrain from. Um, but then also, realigning yourself and praising God for his work in your life right that he has given us his instruction and praise God for his spirit as well who calls these things to mind excellent excellent that spiritual posture is a reminder that you are needy and dependent on him which is a good exercise for self-sufficient people who yearn for autonomy a lot of times right Excellent. Paul mentioned it earlier, but it gets, also gives just way to courage and boldness. I'm not a gifted evangelist. That's not an excuse, is it? <laughs> no. Which we'll talk about. This is what Peter is doing here. He's contrasting the fear of the Lord with the inappropriate fear of man. Right? This is what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Is it not? Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. But fear who? He who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. This realignment of where your fear and reverence should lie. This is the main point being made. Our response to persecution, however frightening that persecution may be, is to revere Christ as Lord, which manifests itself in trust, confidence, and peace before him. That's what happens when we live our life, recognizing his lordship over every creature, every power, in any government authority that opposes the Christian faith henceforth, right? Any worldview that's in direct contradiction to my biblical worldview, God, you rest over all of this. You are the Lord of hosts, right? Isaiah 8, that we are to fear and respect. Now, we're not quite free to move on just yet because Peter goes on to convey what one of the byproducts comes our way when we do revere and fear the God in this way. And that is a conscience that is kept clear. Look at verse 16. A conscience that's kept clear. Verse 16, and keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered. Let's just stop there for a moment. Keep a good conscience. Now, one of the spiritual realities that we do no doubt revel in as believers Is that at salvation, God, praise God, he cleanses our conscience from its lifelong accumulation of shame and guilt. And it is a vast accumulation of shame and guilt. Yes? And God cleanses that conscience. Are you thankful this morning? Even where our pastor is in the book of Hebrews, right? It's a big theme of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, right? The blood of Christ has sprinkled our hearts clean of an evil conscience, And we are thankful. That cleansed conscience no longer accuses us because of past sins. Why? It's because those sins have been what? They've been dealt with. And they've been dealt with in full and pardoned in Jesus Christ. That's what a conscience is. It's the divinely placed internal mechanism that's either accusing us or excusing us. Right? It's the soul reflecting on itself. And as it does so, it either affirms right behavior or it condemns sinful behavior. And all of us have been given a conscience, right? Romans 2.14. The law of God is literally etched on our hearts. And yet man suppressed the truth and suppressed that conscience in unrighteousness. So what Peter is holding forth here, and other scriptures do as well, is that believers must now guard the purity of their cleansed conscience. conscience. Now just think about it. When you're facing persecution what are the ways that we you know in Christ and then wanting to live faithful lives what are ways that we guard that conscience what are ways that we live faithful as we face persecution what are some things that we refrain from as opposition comes our way let's start there retaliation Retaliation. okay it's been a great theme already mentioned several times retaliation let's start there what else Complaining. complaining perfect bitterness Grumbling. What else? Giving up. What does giving up look like, Paul? Yeah. Absolutely. To compromise, right? And to conform to the standards of those who oppose us, right? And we just... Rebellion, giving up. Anything else? Revenge, right? Yeah. Again, book of Romans, vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. Yes, Mary. Holding a grudge. Yes, excellent. I'm not going to retaliate, but boy, I'm going to, I'm retaliating inside. Yeah, that's a big one. Anything else? Reviling, yeah, just slandering others, right, yeah. There you go, Christ, yeah, and that, this example is pronounced throughout the book, right? That chief example is our Savior himself. That's exactly right. How do we do this? And something we should do is for our enemies, following Christ's example. It's the exact opposite, is to pray for our enemies, to love our enemies, which is talk about being different in the world. They may see your good deeds and glorify God, right? That's the the aspiration here. They may render praise to God who makes such responses that are completely and radically contrary to their own responses um, stand out in a very pronounced way. Paul conveyed this in Acts chapter 24 verse 16. He kind of says it in a very similar way. He says, I do my best love that phrase. I do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience, both before God and men. I do my best. That's what Peter's saying here. Keep a good conscience. In the way that you carry yourself, in the way that you respond, in outward displays to those who oppose you, but even as Mary conveyed also what's going on inside of which the Lord knows full well. This is what this is conveying to us. Live in such a way, even when the heat is turned up, that your conscience is held clear. You are doing your best to live faithfully before God and man. The sweet part is that we're going to see next week that those who do engage in sinful mistreatment of you and believers in the first century, with their aim of defeating and shaming believers, guess what's going to happen to them one day? they're going to be put to shame. And we'll look at that next week. Third, third response. Not only do we remember we are blessed, but we remember to fear Christ, but also be prepared to answer. Be prepared to answer. 1 Peter 3, 15. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Here it is. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Having laid these foundations, Peter now encourages Christians who are on trial for their faith, whether it be formally or informally, to be prepared to answer those who oppose them. They are to give an account for the hope that is within them. What's he conveying here? They are to be ready to speak about this glorious salvation that's being put on display in and through their lives, right? Give answer. Testify to these things. Be ready to speak. Your lives are to be devoted to blessing God, right? Who, according to his great mercy, has caused you to be born again to a living hope, right? Through the resurrection of his son. They're devoted to be blessing God. This is who they are there to be. This God who's given them an inheritance which is wonderfully profound. So this exhortation is, listen, as people ask and as people question this hope that's manifested in your life, be ready to tell them why. Tell them why that hope is there and why it's real and why it's so powerful as it is in your life. Give an account. That's what that means. Logos, word, message. We're called to give the right words in response to questions about the gospel our lives reflect. You just think about that for a moment for Peter, of all apostles to be, to say, give an account for the hope that's within you. What do you recall about Peter's life? Was he always prepared? Did he ever fail in this department? Northlake, are you not so grateful that the Lord uses failures, right? Praise God he uses failures. No doubt you think his own life experience Might have added to the force Of this kind of spirit inspired mention here Give an account We can think back to Peter's own dismal experience And Peter of all people knew what it was to be unprepared And in his unpreparedness It was manifested not only horribly publicly But it was also then recorded us in a timeless book For everyone to read generations later (laughs) this opportunity that he had botched in egregious fashion to answer questions while his savior was on trial. And you can just ask the rooster that was there on that day of Peter's failing and he will tell you. And Peter says, listen, take note of my failures. Give an account, be ready to give an account of the hope that is within you. As questions will be asked about your allegiance to Christ, Be prepared to answer. Yes, your zeal for good works is going to bring the attention of those who oppose Christ. And there are many who oppose Christ. Varying degrees. But these good works have to be explained. You have to give voice to them. You're called to elaborate and expound on why we have this glorious inheritance promised to us as believers. To put this another way, we're to not only manifest the power of the gospel in our lives... That glorious hope is to show up but we're also to be ready to explain why that hope is possible through Jesus Christ we're to be ready to give an account as to why believers believe and live as they do when they ask I'll just give a pastoral pause here for a moment this morning you you no doubt maybe hear a room this size uh, I can't tell you what percentage probably a large percentage knowing just us as a church and typically how we see ourselves as believers we you hear the common common refrain of I'm not a gifted evangelist and internally maybe you're saying yeah that's that's me I don't consider myself a gifted evangelist but you are nevertheless called and expected and instructed even if you do not deem yourself to be a gifted evangelist to promote the gospel through your answers this is a verse that rests upon all believers Not just the 10% that you consider to be just, man, they're just gifted. They can just go out and they can just tell people the gospel and they can defend the faith and they can critique unbelief. Man, that's amazing. No, you you be ready. I be ready. Promote the gospel through your answers. That's what Christian apologetics is, is it not? It's the discipline of offering a defense and a case for the veracity and reliability of the Christian faith. That's what it is. So our prayer, I know as a church, is that we would be bold not only to declare the truth of the gospel, reach week, right? And even just the whole of your lives, in any moment, declare the truth of the gospel, who Jesus is, what sin is, how people are saved from eternal death, but also that we would be equipped to defend the truthfulness and reliability of those claims and provide a critique for unbelief if you're here this morning and I think all of us can just be in humility say you know what I could grow in that area if that doesn't happen by osmosis and it doesn't happen by accident I want, I want to be equipped it's what this whole Sunday school hour is to defend the, the veracity and reliability of the Christian faith my faith what do I believe and how do I give answer to those who render contrary beliefs and oppose that I want to be equipped give yourself to study to that end if that's just but one conviction this morning that walk, you walk away with today be prepared to answer and we could all grow in that area last and finally be prepared to answer very important gently be prepared to answer gently yes the readiness to respond is important But also is the manner of the response equally important? The manner of our response should also testify to Christ. Give an account for the hope that is in you, here it is, yet with gentleness and reverence. Our defense of the hope that's within us should be uncompromising. It should be firm. It should be confident and bold. But at the same time, it should be conveyed with gentleness and reverence. Gentleness is meekness, humility. And you mentioned earlier, who exemplifies such gentleness and meekness on this earth, right? It's the Lord Jesus Christ himself, our savior. He exemplified this in perfect fashion. Meekness. And when he says gentleness, it's, it's, he's not saying just be weak. <laughs> be weak people. That's not what the word is here. Be strong, but this is strength restrained. Strength under restraint so that we're not what we typically are or can often be, which is dominant and overbearing, right? People come at me. My impulse is to come at them in equal force and fury, gentleness, strength under restraint. We see that in Christ himself. Well, in fact, one of the ways we regard Christ as holy, we sanctify him in our hearts is what? We are holy just as he is holy. We seek to reflect his character in every circumstance and that includes even when we are opposed. Not dominant, not overbearing. But we, Ephesians 4.15, we speak the truth in love. Paul exemplified this in his own stewardship of the gospel in 2 Corinthians 10.1. Now I, Paul, myself... And I love this, I urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. That's a strong word there. I urge you, I plead with you through the gentleness and meekness of Christ. See, Peter and Paul and the Lord himself doesn't want the manner of our response to those who oppose us. He doesn't want the manner of our response to alienate those who hear us. And push them away. They're going to do that in their hard heartedness. And rebellion anyway. Let's not have that. Be promoted. By our own sinful harshness. And overbearing nature. The way we respond. Is also wonderfully important. In our witness to Christ as well. Let me ask you one question. Just in this space of. As you ponder gentleness and reverence. And what it is to give. account for the hope that is in you it is very easy very easy for us to respond in the wrong ways to opposition ourselves and the gospel just spend a moment just kind of hearing from us and us sharing together what are some wrong ways that we are inclined to respond to opposition to our faith we've already touched on many of them Let's go ahead and close this time kind of conveying maybe even still more. What are, what are some of those? Wrong ways we respond to opposition. Okay, turning away from them just in general, right? What's that? Silence, timidity, cowardice, Yes, and usually the undercurrent of that is self-righteousness, right? Arrogance. What's that? Overpowering. Overpowering. Yeah, yeah. And As we say these, you're going to say, yeah, that's, that's how I'm inclined. And we're all inclined in different ways, right? Some, some is the lion, some is the bull in the china, the, the china cabinet, right? Others are the... Timid cowardice, right? And then everything in between. I had other other ones, Paul. When I was thinking about giving up, I was thinking more of if you're being persecuted for oh. a certain stance that yep. okay. you're taking, and then you give up on that stance, you start to have, you know, oh I'll weaken my stance towards that so I don't receive this persecution. Whatever that stance is. That's, that's kind of what my mind Okay. Yeah, so it's a form of compromise, right? Yeah, where you hold this position, it is a biblical conviction and a biblical belief. But maybe we—that gets watered down or held, you know, a little looser, uh, a little more loosely. That's the way they put that. Thank you, Grammarian. Anything else? Thank you, Paul. Switching to debate on a human level, opposed to the gospel. Yeah, yeah, opposed to the gospel. We could talk extensively and have a whole series and perhaps we will just on apologetics, right? Evidentialism versus like just presuppositional apologetics. There's a vast difference. Like let me win you with all the evidence and let me debate and debate's fine, right? There's a place for debate but it has to be from a a gospel framework, right? You could spend a a lot of time there. What else? Not Not acting in love. So we speak the truth but not in love. What's that? Bearing from 1 Corinthians 13. Okay. I don't know how to verbalize that, but just that word called to not be that noisy, clanging gong and then just hand running with knowledge. Great, great word picture there, right? Yeah, this noisy, clanging gong, right? Perhaps our, our, our giving account for the hope in us sometimes sounds like a clanging, a clanging gong, right? Because it's absent of love, 1 Corinthians 13. Anything else? I would say bitterness and forgetting, not reminding ourselves that this is part of God's plan for us. Okay, yeah, not bitterness. I mean, this life is, is going to be hard. There's going to be opposition, and we will be in the minority, right? And we know these things biblically, right? Blessed are, blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, that Matthew 5. All those who desire to live godly will be persecuted. So this is not a shock to us. Excellent. Yeah, that, that's, that's a big one, right? That arrogance, the aggressive nature, oftentimes is you're detached from, but for the grace of God go I mentality and disposition. Not frustrated with you. They don't immediately yeah. To so that's a great one, right? Like we are, we are a hope-filled people who believe in a really big God and we know of this big God's power in our own life, Right? And so even in that moment of giving an account for the hope that was in us, if they don't immediately just like, just break out into tears and fall to the ground in just a puddle of just repentance and contrition, the Lord is still able, right? And we still like, we're not rattled in our belief and confidence of that. But at the, at the bottom of that is remembering that God is sovereign over salvation, not, yeah. not how we answer or what we say. Yeah. And that's where that theology comes into place, right? The soteriology, fundamentals of the faith we cover. Joseph. still small matter that over time. Bring it Oh, absolutely. And it will be on his exact timetable for as you said, it's it's he who does it anyway. This miracle of regeneration. Anything else? Okay. So if I hear you like a deviation from the Bible itself or? Yeah, I'm just a a part of each other instead of a uh, actual gospel witness. So becoming personally offended and then kind of going along with attacking them. Okay. Having kind of devolved into more of a personal debate. Yeah. Uh, a theological. Yeah and they 're very different aren 't they? like if you, you know it when you see it, like when i 'm personally offended and we bristle and we coil, it, it we, we just exude it out of every pore of our being, right yeah, versus exactly, yes, yes, on the playground. Yeah. anything else? anything from the peanut gallery back there in the left corner? No, okay let 's pray, we need help, right? We need help, Lord, we want to see Sanctify you as Lord in our hearts and we need that admonition and exhortation command to rest on every minute of our day. Even this morning, uh, we pray that the next hour would be shaped and rich and wonderfully fruitful because we're a collection of people who are committed to do just that. That you have the premier place in every facet of our lives. You rest as the sovereign majesty over majesty over all. Every creature, every being, every earthly power and governing authority, Lord, you rest and rule and reign over it all. And so Lord, our worship should, unto you should be appropriate uh, to that end. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would give us courage and boldness and the leading of your spirit to be faithful, to live out 1 Peter 3, 13 through 17, that we do want to be a people who testify of your greatness we want to speak of this living hope we want to manifest it through our lives and good deeds and just living in obedience to your word that's going to prompt us to stand out in very profound radical ways We ask, Lord, as those who oppose us or as those who take notice or as those who question what this hope is all about, even as we think about this neighborhood or the neighborhood across the street, this local community, that we, North Lake Bible Church, would be a people collectively. We would be faithful to give an account for this hope. And Lord, even as it was already just recently conveyed, we testify to the one that you are the one who brings about this miracle of salvation. You will draw everyone to yourself who are already deemed yours Lord we ask that you would do that uh, before us even today if anyone be not in Christ we pray for our pastor as he opens up your word Uh, we pray that you would fill him with spirit conviction and power and clarity of speech and Lord that you would help us even as we listen and joyfully heed what we hear today Lord we pray this now in Jesus name amen